Salatu wa salam ala nabiyyana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in amma ba'd This is a brief translation of the lecture of Dr. Usama al-Utaybi hafidhahullah ta'ala he is one of the mashayikh of Ahl-Sunnah al-Jama'ah who resides in Medina, the city of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He began with the Khutbatul Hajar, the Sermon of Need, and welcoming the brothers who have established this knowledge-based seminar. He said that uh, this knowledge-based seminar, which these brothers have established as a means of teaching the youth and teaching the people the fundamental principles of their religion, teaching them that which benefits them, and having a connection with the scholars and the other students of knowledge from those who follow the methodology of the Salaf. And this is also from the angle of cooperating with one another upon righteousness and piety. He said that these efforts that these brothers are putting forth, this is not something uh, that is new. He said, rather, this is the methodology of these brothers, you know, that we know this about them, you know, to be from the truthful people who follow the methodology of Ahl Sunnah or Jama'ah, follow the methodology of the Salaf, that they establish these seminars and these gatherings for the purpose of teaching the people. And the Sheikh, mentioned some names and from the names that he mentioned our brother uh, Abu Muhammad Nadir Jamaiki and he mentioned our brother Abu Salam Siddiq and he mentioned other brothers he said there are many brothers that are with them you know he said these brothers are brothers who are students of knowledge uh, and they are from the people who call to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there in America. He said. He said those brothers, those noble brothers, those uh, elder brothers, he said that these individuals are individuals who call to the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those who call to the methodology of the Salaf al-Salih, the pure religion. Those who call to the Salafi Aqidah and call to the methodology of the Salaf. 
they made dua uh, for these brothers. He says that some of these brothers, they were in the state of darkness, the darknesses of disbelief. And Allah He guided them to the light of Islam and the light of Tawheed. He says that many from the people who live in the lands of the of the disbelievers, they are happy with severe happiness when they enter into the religion of Islam, and they find in Islam ease and tranquility, and they find the correct and true understanding of Allah Azza wa Jal. The one who says in his wise book, and I have not created the jinn nor the mankind except to worship me. These individuals, they know by way of the book of Allah, why they have been created. And some of them, at one time, they were polytheists, those who associated partners with Allah. And some of them were actual idol worshippers. And some of them were Christians. And some of them were Jews. And you have some of them that were upon other religions who were following the likes of Farrakhan. Those who say that they are Muslims But in reality they are polytheists They are not really Muslims You have those who entered into Islam By way of the who used to be with them And you have those who were from other religions And other walks of life And Allah guided them to the true Islam He says, when, a, when Allah guided them uh, to Islam, He guided them to that which is in the Quran from the magnificent speech of Allah. He guided them to the magnificent uh, aspects of guidance and direction. And Allah Azza wa guided them. He guided them to the different aspects of guidance which we find in the Quran that is a means of bringing about happiness into the life of the Muslim. We find that Allah has guided them to these aspects in the Quran that brings about light into their hearts. Just as Allah, He mentions that if anyone from amongst the polytheists they seek uh, asylum with you, then give him the protection, give him the means to be amongst you so that he can hear the words of Allah. So the people are in need to be taught Islam. 
He says, and as the Prophet mentioned that there's going to come a time when this religion of Islam will enter into all of the homes. That's how much it will spread. As the Prophet sallallahu mentioned that there is no bait or there is no home except that Islam is going to that Islam is going to enter into that home. And Allah Azawajal He has chosen for His creation this way of life, the Deen of Islam. And this is the religion that Allah has chosen for the people to worship Him with. And to believe in him by way of. Allah has chosen this way of life for all of mankind and all of the jinn. And this is after the sending of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu This is the way of life that Allah has chosen for all of the people. And this is coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the people who live in the west in the lands of the non-Muslims they are in need of da'wah they are in need to be called to Islam and they are in need to be taught the religion of Islam These people are also in need of to be given direction, that which will cause them to get closer to Allah as a wajah. So it is a must that that the person exerts himself as much as one is able to do in carrying out this affair and bringing about guidance for the people, removing from the darkness into the light of Islam. So the Muslim is to be one who calls the people to Islam according to the level of his or her knowledge. Based upon that which Allah has given that person of knowledge and understanding of the religion, this is the extent of the person calling the people to Islam. As the Prophet Muhammad he said, convey to the people or me even if it's one matter that you convey. So the conveying of the deen of Islam is, is going to be done according to that which is easy for the person to do, that which the person uh, has learned from the religion. This is what the person is to convey. And this is befitting for everyone to do according to their capability. So the one who the one who is calling the people to Allah as a wajal, it is a must that the person strives to implement that which he calls the people to. And this is very important here. That you're not just the person who's calling to the good, but you yourself have to be a person who is implementing that good that you are calling the people to. Mm. And you have to be or strive to be a good and beautiful example for the people. And, and this is a part of calling the people to Islam. That a person 
is not just the caller, but he is the caller and the example and the implementation of the call. He's not just the caller. He's the caller and the example and the implementation of what he is calling to. So the Sheikh said for this, let the person let the person be diligent in being a good example for the people. Let him be an example when it comes to implementation of the religion. Let him be an example when it comes to being truthful in one speech. Let him be let him be an example when it comes to being one who stays far away from deception and betrayal. Or being someone who breaks or breaches contracts and breaks one's promises and the likes. Let him be an example of one who stays far away from those affairs. And being one who stays far away from uh, fitna. And one is to do this according to his capability. So the Sheikh he said he advises us here in America, in America, in Europe, in the lands of the West, that they should strive to attain the legislative knowledge. And that and that they strive to implement that knowledge. And they strive to call the people to Allah based upon their capability. And they should be patient in doing this. Just as Allah Ta'ala, He stated, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, or in the name of Allah, the merciful, the bestower of mercy, by the time indeed all of mankind is in loss except for those who believe and do righteous deeds and encourage one another with truth and encourage one another with patience. The Sheikh had mentioned that these four matters that are mentioned in this surah, belief, righteous actions, Encouraging with the truth and encouraging with patience. These four matters are very important in the life of the Muslim. And these four matters are from the important affairs which brings about salvation for mankind. Saving them from being in a state of loss. So the Muslim should be diligent and put forth great effort to implement these four matters in his or her life. And also the person, the Muslim, should be diligent in putting forth effort to be a means of saving the people from the hellfire.
And that is by way of the implementation of these four matters, which causes salvation from loss. He says, O oh my brothers in Islam, the religion of Islam, this way of life of Islam, is a way of life that entails unity and harmony. It is a way of life that entails mutual love and respect for one another. So this this deen of Islam is a deen that entails mutual love, mutual respect for one another, unity and harmony between one another. As Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions, and hold on to the rope of Allah altogether and do not be divided. And Allah Azza wa Jal, He also mentions, and do not differ with one another. And and argue and debate with one another lest your strength it leaves you and then he went on to mention that Allah said be patient for indeed Allah is with those who are patient and Allah he mentioned that the believers are nothing but brothers to one another So rectify and bring harmony between your brothers and fear Allah in order that you may receive mercy from Allah. And Allah He mentions that the believers, the men as well as the women, they are the friends and the protectors of one another. In the Prophet He mentioned that indeed Allah is pleased with three things for you. The first matter, that you worship Allah and you do not associate any partners with Him. And then, Allah, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned the next matter. That you hold on to the rope of Allah altogether, and lastly, do not be divided. Do not be divided. So Allah is pleased that there be unity amongst us. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he mentioned a beautiful example when it comes to the Muslims and how they are with one another. The Prophet ﷺ said, the example of the believers, when it comes to the love and the harmony that they have for one another, is similar to the example of one body. So if one part of the body is afflicted with ailment or sickness or one part of the body is going through some type of hardship then the entire body or the rest of the body complains with insomnia and having fever so the Prophet ﷺ described the believers as being like one body 
this is how we are to be with one another. So whoever sees his brother in a state of difficulty or knows that his brother is in a state of difficulty in a tight situation, then that person should exert himself to bring about some type of relief and ease for his brother and to remove and keep that harm away uh, from his brother and bring about some type of serenity in the life of his brother. And this is how the believers are to be with one another and be in one body. Also, how a believer is with another believer is that he loves for his brother that which he loves for himself. As the Prophet Wasallam, he mentioned that none of you truly believes until he loves for his brother that which he loves for himself from good. As one of the narrations mentioned, from the affairs of good. So it is important in being believers that this is our interaction and behavior with one another. That we implement these texts. That we practice that which has been mentioned by Allah and mentioned by the Prophet when it comes to how we are to interact with one another. And this is the believer. This is the one who has belief. Be patient, please. The next point the Sheikh had mentioned. That we should be diligent and in keeping in the unity and establishing the unity that we have amongst ourselves. As an example, you find in Islam there is legislation in relation to preserving the Muslim society when they are under the Muslim leadership like those who live in the Muslim countries that they are upon or under the the Muslim government and that they are to be one and they are under, under that one government that they are to be one Jama'ah and in, and in cases where you have different independent countries, every country is to be under their leader, doing that which is a cause for preserving the unity of the country. And this is due to necessity, as we know that the origin is that the Muslims are supposed to be under one leader, 
But in this case, in these days and times, the situation is not like that. We have different Muslim countries. So each country is under their leader. And that they should band together upon that which is good and keeping the unity in the society amongst the Muslims. And he says also, this is from the Islamic legislation. But why is that in place? For the purpose of maintaining the Muslim unity. The rules and regulations when it comes to how the Muslims are to interact with the Muslim ruler, that's a part of maintaining the Muslim unity in the society. Then you also have other aspects of Islam that are legislated for the purpose, of course, after worshipping Allah, but from the benefits of these legislations is the preservation of the Muslim unity. From those acts of worship is the five daily prayers that are made in the masjid. When the Muslims come together and they pray in the masjid, this is a means of establishing the unity between the Muslims. Likewise, the, the Jumu'ah khutbah, coming together on the day of Jumu'ah, this is from the means of establishing the Muslim unity. Likewise, the Eid prayer that we have, all of these things outwardly establish and show the unity of the Muslims. So Islam, it calls to unity, unity upon the truth. And holding on to the rope of Allah, as Allah has mentioned, hold on to the rope of Allah altogether and do not be divided. And just as the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, indeed Allah is pleased for you three things, that you worship Him and don't make any partners with Him, and that you hold on to the rope of Allah altogether and do not be divided. These matters are matters which the truthful Muslim who was a follower of the Prophet Muhammad he holds on to. If you are true in your faith and worshipping Allah alone, if you are true in being someone who follows the way of the Prophet Muhammad in the early generations of Muslims, if you are truthful in that, then you'll find that the person he's holding on to these matters, he's implementing these matters. The Sheikh mentions the next point is that Islam is a religion and way of life that brings about peace and safety and security. And Allah Azza wa Jal He made Islam a means for people to have safety and security in their worldly lives as well as safety and security in the hereafter. This is by way of Islam.
So the Allah Azawajal, He commanded the people with Islam, He commanded the people with Iman, so that they can accept Islam, so that they can believe with the proper belief. And this is in order for them to have safety and security in their worldly affairs as well as in their affairs in the hereafter. So when you find that the people of a land, they have accepted Islam, and they worship Allah alone. And the people of the land, and they believe in Allah, and they don't disbelieve in Allah, you're going to find that safety and security will be widespread amongst these people in that land, on the earth. And you're going to find that the shaitan, he will not have any way now to bring about evil and corruption. Because the people, they truly have accepted Islam and they believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We look at Adam alayhi salam and his, his progeny. And they were upon the earth. And for ten generations, the people only worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These people were upon Islam. These people were upon correct belief. And there was safety and security amongst them. Until when? Until shaitan came and caused corruption. By causing one of the children of Adam to kill the other. This was a corrupted, a matter of corruption caused by the shaitan. And it was due to a weakness of faith by the killer. However, Allah has made a punishment for this killer. And what is that punishment? Every time someone kills someone unjustly, the sin goes back to the first. Every time. Anytime someone commits an unjust murder, that son of Adam, who was the first one to initiate the act of killing someone unjustly, he gets a portion of the sin. Shaky goes on to mention that in the last days of Islam or the last days of time when the Prophet Isa will return the Prophet Jesus will return he will kill the Antichrist and Allah Allah he will annihilate the Yajuj and Majuj those who will cause great corruption in the earth after Allah annihilates them and does away with them that you will find that the people of disbelief and the people of polytheism they will not be and you will find that the people of the Islamic faith the Muslims will remain 
And when these Muslims will remain and be present after the annihilation of these evil people, there's going to be safety and security. So the point that the Sheikh is mentioning this here is that you see how the Islamic faith, when it's present in a place, that it is the cause for safety and security for the people. That's the point that the Sheikh is making. He says the matter will be so safe that a child will play with, he said the child will play with a wolf or a lion or a snake and will not be bitten. He said that's how safe the situation is going to be. And that's due to the blessings of there being safety and security. He says he said the matter is going to be it's so peaceful at that time you'll find a wolf eating next to a sheep and the wolf will not eat the sheep he says and normally you find animals eating each other and that's the norm he says but because of the widespread peace and safety during that time due to the widespread uh, belief of the people and the people being upon Iman that's how uh, tranquil the affairs will be you will not find that people will be killing one another uh, during this time. Another point that the Sheikh mentions he says that it's not allowed no it's not allowed for a human being to kill another be a human being unjustly. <coughs> Rather, that which is obligatory is that human beings should be safe from one another. A person should be safe from the harm of another person. And that every person from amongst mankind in the gender, they should not transgress the boundaries of Allah. We should not transgress the boundaries of Allah when it comes to how we deal with one another. Likewise, we should not transgress the boundaries of Allah when it comes to our relationship with Allah. These are two points here. No transgression of the boundaries when it comes to us and our relationship with Allah. Number two, no transgression, no transgressing of the boundaries when it comes to our relationship between us and the creation. These two things are very important. So it's not permissible to go beyond the legislative boundaries regarding Allah's rights. It is not permissible to go beyond the legislative boundaries regarding the rights of the creation. So when you find a person he adheres to these legislative boundaries whether it is the boundaries connected to Allah or the legislative boundaries connected to the servants of Allah when he does not transgress these boundaries he's not a person who is he's not a person who is oppressive He's not a transgressor. You're going to find that this person will be in a state of goodness and in a state of happiness.
He says, today you find in different societies that they mandate laws upon the people for the purpose of stopping and prohibiting transgression. And they make punishments for these crimes. However, Islam has already regulated these affairs prior to these man-made laws. Islam has already addressed these matters prior to the man-made laws that we find present in this day and time. Islam has dealt with these affairs on the smaller levels, the larger levels, in the people's personal affairs, in the society, in the affairs of the society. Islam has addressed all of these affairs. So the believer is not to violate anyone and transgress against anyone. And the believer is the one who takes account of himself by way of the knowledge that Allah has given to us through his legislation. So these matters are apparent and clear. Except that you have in some isolated situations where you find that there are some matters that have come about that are in need for the people in authority to come together and to come up with a solution for. You know, this is rare, but for the most part, matters are clear. As the Prophet Sallallahu he mentions that indeed the halal, the lawful is clear and that which is unlawful is clear and between them are some unclear matters not many people know so whoever stays away from these unclear matters then he has freed himself in relation to his integrity and his religion but the one who indulges in these unclear matters, then he is soon to fall into that which is prohibited. Similar to the shepherd who has his flock of sheep grazing near the sanctuary of a king, his flock of sheep will soon wander into that prohibited area. So those matters that are clear are clear And as for those matters that are not clear Then it's upon us to strive to have understanding And know these unclear matters by way of the knowledge So with the legislative knowledge We do not transgress the boundaries And by way of the legislative knowledge we do that which is obligatory upon us and we stay away from that which is haram. So, we have the obligations that are connected to the rights of Allah like praying and fasting. We carry out those obligations by way of knowledge. And then you have obligations that are connected to the rights of creation like being obedient to your parents and honor, honoring and respecting your parents. This is an obligation from Allah, but that obligation is connected to the rights of another human being, your parent or your parents. 
And likewise, the payment of the zakat. Allah obligated that we pay zakat. And this is an act of worship. But at the same time, this act of worship is connected to human beings. And that is looking after the poor and taking care of the less fortunate in the society. So these obligatory rights that Allah has placed upon us they are different categories. You have some acts of worship that are carried out by way of wealth. Some acts of worship that are carried out by way of physical actions and other than that. And from them, the commanding of the right and the forbidding of the evil. This is, an obli- this is obligated upon us. We have to enjoin what is good and we have to forbid what is evil. But according to capability. As the Prophet sallallahu mentioned, whoever from amongst you sees an evil, then let him change it with his hand. And if he's not able to change it with his hand, then with his tongue. And if he's not able to change with his tongue, then he hated it in his heart, and thus from the weakest of faith. But the matter of changing evil with the hand is for those who have authority and ability, like a father with his child. Or the person who is a person who's in a position of authority and he can change an evil physically. So, with the knowledge, the person, he stays away from that which is haram. When it comes to the rights of Allah. And with the knowledge, the person stays away from that which is haram when it comes to the rights of the creation. So the deen of Islam, the knowledge of Islam, it is a cause for safety and security in the society. And not due to the man-made laws. The true safety and security is by way of practicing Islam. And again, except you have in those cases, those rare cases where... There are times when the people who are in authority, they have to make up a law because of something new that has come about for the benefit of the people. As in, like an example, the Sheikh that mentioned about mentioned like traffic lights and stuff like that. This is for the safety of the people. You understand? This is for the safety of the people. But these matters are rare. Generally speaking, Islam has covered everything. Generally speaking, Islam has covered everything. So those who implement the legislation of Allah, there will be safety and security. So the deen of Islam is the deen of salam, as the Shaykh mentioned. The deen of Islam is the deen of salam, and the deen of peace, the deen of safety and security. So I speak to you, my brothers who are there in America and in the lands of the West. You live there and you are living in non-Muslim countries. And the non-Muslims, they are the authorities there. So understand that you being in these countries, you have a covenant with these non-Muslim governments. There is a pact or a truce with these non-Muslim governments. You get IDs and passports and driver's license and other benefits that you get from these countries. Uh, These benefits 
uh, with the understanding that you're going to be a law-abiding citizen, that you're going to be a person who's not going to bring harm to the society. So it's very important that you do not violate these trusts, that you do not violate uh, this covenant that you have with the non-Muslim governments. And one is to be a law-abiding citizen unless the matter that they are trying to impose is a matter that is haram. And we stay away from it to the best of our ability. But other than that, one should not be violating the laws of the land or violating the uh, the covenant and the trust that you have with the non-Muslim uh, governments of being a person who's not going to bring about any type of harm or corruption in the society. So the Sheikh, he mentioned that the person must be respectful to himself in that land. You have to respect and honor yourself. And what does the Sheikh mean by this? He says, respect yourself by not subjecting yourself to being harmed. Like, don't commit a crime and now you subjecting yourself to be put in prison. This is the part of Islam. You have to have respect and honor for yourself. You have to protect yourself. Don't violate and just break the law. Now you're putting yourself in a situation now you're locked up in the prison system. He says you have to respect yourself in those lands and not subject yourself to harm and also don't subject the people to your harm. The Sheikh, he says, don't steal from the people. Don't kill people. Don't go around sleeping with the woman and you're not married to them. <clears throat> he said, do not violate the prescribed limits of Allah while you're in those lands. Rather, you should strive to keep yourself safe in these lands and keep others safe. He says, this is the true Islam. The Sheikh said, if the Muslim implements this, the people will see the beauty of Islam. If the Muslim behaves how the Muslim is supposed to behave, this would be a cause of the people seeing the beauty of Islam. They will see that Islam is a way of life that encourages mutual cooperation upon righteousness and piety. And that Islam does not condone cooperating upon sin and transgression. So these matters, when a person implements that which has been mentioned so far, this is a way that a person can be from the greatest of those who call to Allah. Because it's not just your verbal speech that you're calling the people by way of, but also your behavior, your mannerisms, your actions. And then this is very important because this is the way of our Prophet. 
Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He didn't just call the people verbally. His mannerisms, his behavior was also a means to call the people to the religion. And this would be a cause when the people they see this, they're going to be curious about Islam and they're going to inquire about Islam when they see your behavior and your mannerisms and how you interact with the people and how you are an individual, you don't harm the people, you don't violate the people. When the people, they, when you're implementing these matters of Islam, the people are going to be interested in the deen. They're going to inquire about the religion from what they see from your behavior. He says so Through your beautiful example This is going to make the people inquire about Islam The religion that brings about safety and security In the lives of the people So for this You have to strive That you implement these affairs Number one Having knowledge of the religion Number two, implementing that knowledge. Number three, calling the people to the knowledge and the implementation of the knowledge. And number four, being patient upon those affairs. However, the people of fitna, the people who want to bring about new affairs into the religion that's not from the religion, they distort the beautiful image of Islam. Because they are doing things that's not from Islam. So now when the people, they see this, it is a deterrent. So now the image of Islam, the true image of Islam becomes distorted because of the people who want to bring about fitna in the society. Because of the people who are practicing things and they're saying it's Islam and it's not from Islam. So the Sheikh he mentioned So now Because of those type of people They give The non-Muslims the impression That our religion Is a religion of hypocrisy A religion of differing A religion that's chaotic A religion that encourages deception Because they say Basically your book is saying one thing Or you're saying that your book says one thing But then you're doing something else These individuals They give the impression That Islam Is a religion That condones terrorism And frightening the people And striking fear into the hearts of the people The Sheki says you find that some of the people they do this intentionally to distort the image of Islam. He says the next point that Islam is free from terrorism. He says, and this is something that we must make known to the people. Islam is free from terrorism and that we must be vocal 
and speaking out against these groups that are bringing things into the religion that's not from it. Whether it is ISIS or Al-Qaeda, or they say here Al-Qaeda, but Al-Qaeda, or the Muslim Brotherhood, that political group, all of these groups, you have to be vocal against them and establish that that which these individuals are upon, that this is not from Islam, killing innocent people and other than that. This is not the religion of Islam. Now, we must clarify to the people that these individuals who are connected with these groups of terrorism or these groups of innovation, we must clarify that this is not the religion of the Prophet Muhammad the one who Allah sent as a mercy to mankind. And the Sheikh, he mentioned this point because if you look at the methodology of these groups and that which these groups are involved in, it's not mercy. Allah sent Prophet Muhammad as a mercy. So we in following Prophet Muhammad sallallahu we also should be a mercy for the people. And that which we teach the people and convey to the people, it should be a means of mercy. Our interaction with the people, it should be bringing about mercy. As Allah Azawajal mentions to the Prophet, we have not sent you except as a mercy to all of creation. So the Shaykh says we must clarify these affairs for the people and we should not be quiet. We should not be silent about these affairs. <coughs> Sheikh said, do not be silent about the corruption that is being committed by these individuals who ascribe themselves to Islam. And they do evil actions which cause the people to be diverted away from the path of Allah. He says, likewise, these deviants from amongst the Muslims who have deviated away from the path of the Prophet Muhammad <laughs> we also put forth an effort to bring them back to what's correct they have to be admonished or advised and taught and if they refuse to adhere to the true teachings of the Prophet Muhammad <laughs> then we clarify their mistakes and we speak out against their mistakes and make it known that that which those Muslims are doing, this is not from Islam. Wow. 
Vamos dar. So the Sheikh said, strive in clarifying the truth to them, and if they refuse to adhere to the truth, and they are obstinate, then it is a must that the people know that those individuals are not examples of Islam. They are not representatives of Islam. And that which is obligatory upon those who follow the way of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and the early generations of Muslims, his companions, that they cooperate with one another upon righteousness and piety. And that they are to be like one hand. And there should not be any fanaticism and enmity and hatred taking place amongst them. And they should not have fanaticism to one particular individual, one sheikh. All we take from it is just one sheikh. So this is not allowed in Islam, that we have fanaticism towards anyone. That which is our reference is the book of Allah, the life example of the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, and the way of the early Muslims, those who were with him. This is our reference. This is what we return back to. Not one sheikh that this, everything he says, that we follow him. No, this is not our way. We go back to the book of Allah, the way of the Prophet, and the way of those who are with him. Why the way of those who are with him? Because they learn directly from the Prophet. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And Allah in the Quran says he's pleased with them. Right, so we want Allah to be pleased. We have to follow those people who Allah says He's pleased with. So, being that Allah is pleased, and I'm adding this just for clarification, being that Allah was pleased with those who were with Prophet Muhammad, that's an indication that they practice Islam correctly. That's why it's important. And that's why the Sheikh added that. So, may say, well, what's wrong with just saying Quran and Sunnah, Quran and the way of the Prophet? Yes, that's correct. But there were also people who practice the Quran. And the life example Prophet Muhammad correctly And Allah mentions in the Quran He's pleased with them So now we also have an example Along with the example of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu to follow This is our reference This is what we return back to Allah he mentions in the Quran O you who believe Obey Allah and obey the messenger and those in authority from amongst you, and if you differ in anything, refer back to Allah and the Messenger. And if you differ in anything, refer back to Allah and the Messenger. If you truly believe in Allah in the last day, and that is better for you and more suitable for a final determination. The Shaki said, Connect the people with the Quran, connect the people to the Book of Allah. And connect the people to the way of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam And connect the people to the way of the first Muslims Those who were Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Connect them to the methodology that's infallible Meaning these three things This is where the infallibility is Not in one particular shi'ah 
The infallibility is in the Quran, the Sunnah, and the Muslims who are with the Prophet Muhammad, because the, the text shows that. The proofs and evidences show that that's where the infallibility is. As for a person from amongst the people, he can be right, he can be wrong. So we don't just follow one particular person and every single thing he says and does. So the, so the way of those first Muslims is infallible because it is based upon the book of Allah and the way on life example of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Allah, what does Allah say about himself? Who is more truthful in Allah than speech? And what is the description of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that he is? As-Sadiq al-Masduq He is the one who is truthful Whose truthfulness is confirmed And Allah Azawajal mentions This is my path, the straight path Therefore follow it And do not follow the other paths Or they will separate you away from his path Also the Prophet Muhammad Allah Azawajal Commanded the Prophet Muhammad to say this is my path. I call to Allah upon insight. Me and those who follow me. Me and those who follow me. So the Prophet Muhammad was commanded to tell the people that he is calling to Allah. And not just him, but those who are with him. So this shows that the way of the Sahaba is the correct way. Because the Prophet is commanded to say, and those who are with me. Also, Allah mentions in the Quran... Whoever opposes the messenger after the guidings have been made clear to him and he follows a way other than the way of the believers who will turn him to that which he turned himself to and burn him in hell with an evil abode. So here Allah mentions opposing the messenger and following a way other than the way of the believers. The first believers, they were the Sahaba. So going against their way is a path that leads to hell. So we connect the people to following the book of Allah, the life example of Prophet Muhammad and the way of the first Muslims. As for the scholars of the religion, they come after this. I mean, if they hold a position that's in agreement with those three things, we follow them. But if they oppose or hold a position that's against that, we don't follow them. And we don't make for the people one person that is to be followed in all affairs that if he goes astray we go astray with him and if he's guided we are guided we don't make one individual to be upon this type of status especially from those who are alive today and likewise those who are from amongst those who have passed away. 
there is no one after the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam who is to be followed unrestrictedly. No one. There is no scholar except that he has made a mistake. There is no scholar that is free from mistakes, free from error. He says you even have situation where the greatest of scholars. Or those who were known as being great scholars at one point in time, and then later on he deviates. He goes astray. Is it possible? He says, You all are aware of Fali Harbi. You at one time he was looked at as being a great sheikh. But now look at him, look at his case. We don't take from him anymore. And anyone who is not aware of Fali Harbi, he was a person who had extremism with him and how he dealt with people who followed the Sunnah. And putting people off of the sunnah and declaring this one not to be from a person of the sunnah without proofs and evidences. That was his methodology. And unfortunately, we find individuals, even though they say they left, and this is from me, not from the sheikh, so nobody say he, this is from me and I'm saying it. You have individuals, not everybody, but some people who were his followers, although they left him, they say they're not with him no more, his sickness is still in them. His mannerisms are still present with them Because they deal with the people Although they say they're not with them no more They deal with the people the same way he deals with the people So they left his name But they didn't leave his methodology And if it fits, wear it So we do not make We do not make the situation That is only one scholar That he's the one we only follow This is not our way Because And he says And especially those who are alive Why? Because a person who is alive He's not safe from fitting Meaning it's still a possibility The person can go astray So we connect the people We connect the people to the methodology Of the first Muslims But we also want to make it clear to the people Yes There remains amongst the Muslims Those who are following Islam correctly And they will be present in every time But who are they? They are the ones who are following The way of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi And those first Muslims So yes, we <coughs> He says here's a point here Yes, we connect the people to the scholars of Islam But this is not just one scholar Hold on to this one scholar and that's it Everybody else leave off He says likewise when we tell the people Hold on to the way of the first Muslims Do we connect them to one companion From the companion of the Prophet Wasallam, Or all of the companions oh. Which one? All of them He said we don't just tell the people Follow Abdullah bin Abbas Don't follow Abu Bakr Don't follow Umar He says no we connect the people To the way of the companions As a whole 
Likewise, when we connect the people to the scholars of Islam, it's them as a whole, not just one scholar. Or likewise, those who came out of the Sahaba, those who learned from them, they didn't meet the Prophet them, but they met the Sahaba. We don't just connect them to one person from amongst them, saying, hold on to uh, Sa'id ibn Musayyib or Al-Hassan al-Basri. No. Or the Imams who came after. We don't just connect people to one Imam. Hold on to Imam Malik, leave off the others. Or hold on to Imam Abu Hanifa, leave off the others. Hold on to Imam Shafi or Imam Ahmed and then leave off the others. No, we don't do this. Likewise, we don't connect the people to one scholar. We connect the people to following the way of the companions as a whole. And we command, we are commanded to follow their methodology. And this is what we command the people with and call them to. So likewise, you look at the scholars of our time. We don't tell the people, just follow Sheikh Rabia, or just follow Sheikh Muhammad bin Hadi, or just follow Sheikh Alabani. No, we tell the people to respect all of the scholars and to benefit from all of the scholars and hold on to the truth that's with the scholars. Whether it be Sheikh Rabia, Sheikh Ubaid, and before them, Sheikh Saudi Fawzan, or Sheikh bin Baz, or other than them. So we command the people, or we call the people, with respecting all of the scholars, and benefiting from all of the scholars, and hold on to the truth that the scholars teach. We don't just connect the people to one scholar, and then say, stick with this one scholar. And there are scholars in different lands. Scholars, like in the Sheikh, he mentioned uh, some scholars in Algeria, Sheikh Farukus, Sheikh Abdul, Maj uh, Abdul Majid Juma'a, the scholars in Egypt, like Sheikh Hassan al Banna, he said, there are scholars in Yemen. He said, you have the likes of Sheikh Abdul Mursin, who's in Medina. So these are all scholars. We, we, we encourage people and command them being respectful to all of the scholars, not just holding to one scholar and then that's it. And the other scholars you do away with. No. We do not tell we do not tell the people uh, that this one scholar he only speaks the truth. We don't tell people that he's the only one who has the truth with him. And the only way you can get the truth is from this one scholar. No, this is not our way. This this is like fanaticism. This is fanaticism. Also, the Sheikh he mentioned uh, Sheikh Rasulan in, uh, in in Egypt. He says the scholars are many and plenty. He said, and, and we praise Allah for this. But again, we do not connect the people to one scholar, calling the people to have fanaticism towards one scholar, and he alone is the one who speaks with the truth. And he's the only one who's on the strong methodology. His methodology is stronger than the others. No, the scholars of the Sunnah, they are upon good. So it is a must 
that the people in America and other than America in every place we must understand <coughs> this methodology is following the way of the Quran and the life example of the Prophet upon the way of the first Muslims and with that we respect the scholars of our time but we do not have uh, fanaticism towards any one of them if a scholar makes a mistake the scholar is uh, his mistake is to be uh, clarified and rejected with mannerisms again this is very important that yes a scholar can be refuted a scholar can make a mistake when he makes a mistake his mistake can be clarified but it's to be done with mannerisms because this, he's still a scholar we don't just take away his scholarship because of a mistake but he's to be respected. But the mistake is not to be followed. The mistake is not to be followed. He says, this is the legislative path and how we deal with these affairs. And we do not, again, we respect our scholars. However, we do not blind follow any one scholar. And if a person, and he says, he says, he says, we follow the truth, and whichever scholar has the correct position, this is what we follow. This is what we follow. said, as for the person who is a blind follower, maybe he's blind following a sheikh or he's blind following a student of knowledge, this person, he doesn't understand. <coughs> a person comes and he asks you a question, you're a student of knowledge. A person from, from amongst the common people, he asks you a question. He asks you a question as an example. What's the ruling of the wudu, of making wudu when you have something upon your body that prevents the water from getting to your body? A person asks you a question like this. He says, This is a simple question. You're a student of knowledge, you know. He said, This matter is well known. You say, Look to my brother, this is not permissible. You have to remove whatever's preventing the water. From getting to your skin and make wudu. He says it's not permissible for this person to, after you've clarified this matter to him, to come and say to you, give me the statement of Sheikh Rabia. What does Sheikh Rabia say about this? He said this is he said the Sheikh says said this is not this is not permissible. And in reality, this is uh, stupidity from this individual and he he needs to be given discipline he said when you find people like this just jazakallah khairim give them salams and go on about your way subhanallah <laughs> oh, 
Because this type of individual, only thing he cares about is what shakes so-and-so said. Because he thinks that the truth is only with this particular sheikh and not with anyone else. He said, this is not correct. He said, this type of methodology is not the methodology of the first Muslims. He says, yes, we respect the scholars and we acknowledge they are scholars who have specialties in different affairs. And we do not deny this. You have scholars who their specialty is dealing with the state of men and the, and the categories of men and are they reliable or not. Yes, we acknowledge this. So we do not deny this. But with that, we do not, with that, we do not say that a person should try to be, uh, for the common folk to be philosophical in how he comes with his affairs or speaks. Because he wants something specific. And he mentioned how what happened with him, someone sent him a question. And he answered the question uh, based upon the proofs and evidences. And then he said, the person says, well, what's the Hanafi method regarding this statement? Because I'm a Hanafi. He said, he said, I left him alone. He says, here it is. You are a, per a person, this individual who's coming to question. You don't know nothing. You are a common folk person coming to uh, ask a question. Wait a second, I lost my place. No, it says a person is a, a common person who's seeking uh, a, a, a response. A person responds with the evidence, the proofs and evidences, then khalas, that's the end of the affair. He said, once a person receives the evidence for a matter, one shouldn't be concerned about well, what's the madhab of so and so and so. On. You, you have been given the evidence. Once you have the evidence, that's it, that's sufficient. <coughs> he says, but if a person comes from an, an, as an example, not seeking 
like a, a, having a hidden, a hidden agenda, for lack of better words, and the person says, okay, what's the position of the scholars regarding this matter, and what's their proof for their position? It's just no problem. It's, that's for the religion. Because at the end of the day, it's the issue of the proofs. He says, no problem, that you can do that. He said, but as for making it a condition that the statement has to be from a specific scholar and only from that scholar, this is not from the religion of Allah. And this is not from, he said, this is not from the way of the first Muslims, rather this is from fanaticism for that specific individual. He says, so, when you're in America or Europe, in the lands of the non-Muslims, it's a must that you strive in implementing the correct methodology of Islam. Connecting the people to the Quran and the life example of Prophet Muhammad wasallam, And the way of the first Muslims. And at the same time, respecting all of the scholars. And we must connect the people or instill within the people the following of the truth and not being fanatic towards any one specific individual. He says the sixth and the last matter that I'm going to end with, and it is that the that the people the people of desires and the people of fitna they strive to corrupt the call to Islam. And they strive to cause separation between the people. And they strive to cause separation and problems between the people and between the scholars. He says, I say, don't turn to them. Pay no attention to them striving to cause problems between you and the scholars. And don't pay any attention to them. Don't let these individuals divert you away from doing your duty and responsibility and calling the people to Islam. Don't let these people busy you from calling to Allah. He says, rather continue on calling the people to Allah by educating the people and teaching them and calling the people and removing the people from darkness into the light by Allah's permission. He says, strive in doing this, strive in clarifying and explaining to the people the correct practice and understanding of Islam. For regarding that which I have mentioned to you previously, likewise these individuals that's causing these problems, advise them. If they don't answer the advice, and adhere to the advice, warn the people against them. And keep away from them. And don't pay no attention to them. And don't be fearful of anyone except for Allah. If the person threatens you, if you don't do what I say, or I'm going to tell shake so-and-so on you, don't pay him no mind. Just leave him. He said, this person has a shaitan with him or a devil with him. 
that's enticing him, inciting him. He says, so many of the youth have become corrupted because of these threats. These threats that if you don't do such and such, if you don't follow my position, if you don't get in line, we're going to tell the sheikh on you. So many people have gone astray because they are fearful of those people going back to the sheikh and then mentioning them, their names. And then the sheikh says, so-and-so is no good. And now you have a warning from the sheikh against you. So because of them being afraid that those individuals may get a word from the sheikh against them, they just get in line, even though they know it's wrong. He said, you have many from amongst the people in America and in Europe who, who was following the way of the first generation of Muslims. They have gone astray, giving precedence to the life of this world over the hereafter. And oppose and oppose the way of the, the Sahaba. Why? Because of them being threatened by people that if you don't do what we tell you to do, we're going to get a fatwa against you from the Sheikh. We're going to get the Sheikh to speak against you. And wallahi, the Sheikh is not lying. Sheikh is not lying. If somebody tried to say, oh man, he's just talking, making up, so he's not making up nothing. Not this. This ain't no make-up, make-believe stuff. We know brothers, and we know the ones who did it to the brothers. If you don't be quiet, if you don't shut up, I'm going to tell Sheikh so-and-so on you. And if they say we lying, then no problem. We'll mention the names. And we'll tell them, bring your children, we'll bring our children. We want to invoke the curse of Allah upon the liar. Amen. They know who they are. The Sheikh says, what's amazing is that these individuals who pretend to be people who have knowledge, they say, that it's not from the way of the first Muslims to threaten people with the names of the sheikhs that if you don't do such and such we're going to tell the sheikh on you he said they say this but they do it they say it's not from the way of the, the first muslims but they're the ones doing it he said this he says so don't pay no attention to them He says, one of the scholars from Algeria, uh, Sheikh Muhammad Ali Farkos, he said, deal with them with tahmish. He says, he says, what's the meaning of tahmish, these pretend, of these pretenders? He says, the meaning is that you continue on with giving dawah. Don't pay no attention. Make these people irrelevant. And don't leave off calling to Allah because of them. Because of their threats and the likes. 
And don't leave off holding on to the truth because of them. And don't leave off following evidence because of them. Don't leave off that which you know to be from the religion due to their doubts that they bring and the confusion that they're bringing. And also the meaning of this, that don't become too busy with these individuals to where now it's diverting your attention away from calling the people to Allah. And then you wasting your time with these people. <coughs> You know, advise them. And if they follow the advice, alhamdulillah. If they don't follow the advice, warn against them and stay far away from them. But if someone asks you about these individuals who are causing these problems and threatening people, you know, they're going to tell the sheikh on them and try to bully people into taking positions and the likes. You have to clarify to the people the affair of these people. Don't be quiet about that. If these people start bringing new doubts and try to spread doubts, you have knowledge, respond to those doubts. So, and, and not paying attention to them, it doesn't mean I'll let them spread their evil and, don't be, and be silent. No, we respond to their evil when, when it's necessary. So that others don't get misled. But as far as they are concerned, they don't exist to us. <coughs> but we don't leave them to just plant their seeds of doubts into the minds and the hearts of the people. No, we must, and then we don't respond. No, we respond. Because if we don't respond, then this is going to be ignorance now on our part. This is going to be uh, stupidity on our part to leave these individuals to spread their evil and not respond. So we make these individuals irre irrelevant, non-existent, meaning that we don't busy ourselves with them. And stop and stop what we doing because of them. So we make them irrelevant by remaining firm upon the truth and and, re, and refuting their falsehood and clarifying their falsehood to the people. But at the same time, don't spend too much time with them. And we warn against them when necessary. And, and and understand this is not something that's specific for the individuals who pretend to be people of knowledge we deal with the people who of innovation like this also those who are bringing things into Islam that's not from Islam we deal with them the same way and the people who cause confusion and the people of corruption and the criminals we deal with them the same way these individuals who are the heads of corruption and evil. And we're not speaking about the common people. We're talking about the heads. Because the common people, they, they don't know any better. 
But we're talking about the heads, the ones who know what they're doing, who intentionally are going out spreading doubts and spreading falsehood and corruption. And like, we, this, these, we deal with them like this. that he himself has come across some of the writings of these individuals who pretend to have knowledge who are going about causing corruption and doubts and the likes he says he, he has responded to them he says and I want to bring something to your attention about these people he says and that is that there is a similarity between them and the extremists from the Shiite, the Rafida. Mm. <laughs> he said, what's the similarity? He says, the Rafida, from their actions, what do they do? They go about trying to collect the mistakes of the Imams. For what purpose? To distort their image in the eyes of the people. Without those imams being guilty of anything that necessitates that. So look how they, they'll go and try to look for mistakes of the sahabas, the companions. And they'll try to gather up what they think to be mistakes of the companions. But who are the sahaba? They are the noble companions of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the ones who have been promised paradise, and they have the companionship with the Prophet, and and Allah is pleased with them, and they are in paradise. So here it is: these individuals are calling themselves gathering up the mistakes of these people who Allah is pleased with, and said they are in paradise. For what purpose? To make them insignificant in the eyes of the people. And no matter what you mention of the virtues of the Sahaba, no matter what you mention of the virtues of these individuals, it doesn't affect them. They keep looking for stuff to try to drop. To make their status drop in the eyes of the people. And in reality, even if you find a mistake from the likes of the Sahaba, it still is not permissible for one to try to use their mistake as a means of making them insignificant in the eyes of the people. Because they have virtue. And then we not so the Rafida, what they do, they go about collecting things on Abu Bakr and Umar. And on Uthman. Those who rebelled against uh, Uthman and eventually killed him, and likewise, the revolutionists who rebelled against Ali bin Abi Talib. <laughs> the Khawarij they start going around collecting things on him to use to incite the people against him this is the way 
This is the way of the Rafida in the Khawarij. So what's the resemblance? That you find these individuals who pretend to have knowledge, they try to gather up and collect the mistakes of a known scholar, a person who is known to be a man of virtue and a scholar, a person of knowledge, they go to collect his mistakes to present to the people to drop the scholar in the eyes of the people. That's the similarity between them and the Rafidah and the Khawarij. The Sheikh is saying, I'm not saying that they are Rafidah or from the Rawafid and from the Khawarij. I'm saying there's a similarity between them and how they go about collecting mistakes or what they believe to be mistakes of the virtuous people to make them insignificant in the eyes of the people. That's wrong. He says, he says, as for a, a knowledge-based response to a mistake of a scholar, this is from Islam, with preserving the honor of the scholar. Again, we covered earlier, a scholar can make a mistake, and that mistake has to be clarified. But when the person goes about to clarify the mistake of the scholar, it's not to make the scholar insignificant and drop him in the eyes of the people. But the Rafidah, when they went about trying to get things on the Sahabas, is to drop them in the eyes of the people. So that the people don't look at the Sahaba as being people of virtue and having significance. So likewise, these individuals who are the pretenders and having knowledge, they do this to drop uh, scholars in the eyes of the people. He says, you have from the times of old, scholars refuted other scholars, but with respect and honor. Imam al-Shafi'i, he refuted Imam Muhammad ibn uh, Muhammad ibn Hassan Shafi'i, he wrote a book refuting Muhammad ibn Hassan. And he's one of the main students of Imam Abu Hanifa. Uh, he says, but Imam Shafi'i, when he refuted uh, the other Imam, Muhammad ibn Hassan, it wasn't done for the purpose of making him insignificant in the eyes of the people or to drop him, but it was for to clarify some mistakes that he made and to benefit the people so that they don't fall into the mistakes. Likewise, he, I remember Behaki wrote a clarification uh, of the mistakes of some other scholars, and you have for well, Ibn Abi Hatim Marazi, he wrote a book clarifying some mistakes of Imam Al Bukhari in Tariq Al Kabir. Also, Khatib, he, he refuted Imam Bukhari. So you have the scholars of the past, they refuted one another. But again, 
it wasn't for the purpose to make the scholar insignificant in the eyes of the people. Rather, it was as a means of correction, a means of even completing the works of that scholar. So there's nothing wrong with clarifying the mistakes with knowledge-based clarification and with mannerisms and respects. There's nothing wrong with that. He says this is the way of the early generations of Muslims. He says, if we give an example, the tafsir of Ibn Kathir. Okay, someone, he finds some specific mistakes there. He comes and he corrects the mistakes. He said, there's nothing wrong with this. Along with that person having respect for Ibn Kathir. And honoring Ibn Kathir. Not trying to drop him in the eyes of the people. <clears throat> so when a person does this and it is known from that person that this person is a person of sincerity the person who's striving to bring about rectification then we should not have anything against this individual. There's no harm in doing that. As for the matter of using these mistakes that every scholar can fall, or any scholar can fall into, and all scholars, they fall into mistakes as a, as a means to drop them. He says, this is the methodology of the Rafida and the Khawarij. He says, so look at these individuals, these individuals who pretend to have knowledge. Like, for, as an example, the followers of Ali Hassan al-Halabi. What did they do? They wrote a note on their website, refutations against Sheikh Rabir. What was their intent, though? Their intent was to drop Sheikh Rabir in the eyes of the people, make him insignificant in the eyes of the people. And we know Sheikh Rabia is one of the noble scholars of our day and time. And but when you look at their refutations, it was nothing but verbal abuse and uh, matters that are inappropriate. So this is what clarifies what the intent is. Their intent was not a knowledge-based refutation. They were trying to drop the Sheikh in the eyes of the people. So their refutations is similar to what the Rafida and the Khawarij they do or have done. Likewise, those who have that website, a Tasfiya wa Tarbiya, and they speak about the scholar in Algeria, Muhammad Ali Farqus. They're they're writing stuff against them. What's the point? To drop the Sheikh in the eyes of the people. to make him insignificant in the eyes of the people. And, and to make it a and make the people look at him as if he's not truly a scholar like it is thought that he is. And so and this is clear from 
their writings and their methodologies. So their methodology is the same methodology of the Rafida and the Khawarij in this affair. And if a person intends, if he, as an example, refutes a mistake of Sheikh Rabir or Sheikh Wabayr or Sheikh Wabayr Hadi or Sheikh Farukos, and the person's intent is the correction of the mistake with the honor and the preservation of the scholar's uh, status and beautification of uh, the scholars, and he speaks about the scholars in a good way. This is nothing wrong with this, but those individuals who he's speaking about, they're known to speak uh, ill of the scholars, and he mentioned some names like Sheikh Ali Abdul Majid, Sheikh Lazhar, Sheikh Makos, and others. So those individuals who do this, who speak, who look for the mistakes of the scholars to drop them, in reality, this methodology of theirs is a methodology of innovation, or their, their action is the actions of, of innovation and evil. Do these individuals who are attacking these other scholars love that someone tries to go about and gather the mistakes of Sheikh Rabia? No, they wouldn't like that. So likewise, don't like it for Sheikh Farakus, Sheikh Muhammad bin Hadi, and the other scholars. those individuals this doesn't apply they don't like it for Sheikh Rabia but it's okay for Sheikh Farakul Sheikh Muhammad bin Hadi and others so that they have a double standards so these people they are the people of desires they have meaning they, they have evil desires with them These same individuals, if a person was to refute a mistake of Sheikh Rabia with respect and honor, and he doesn't speak bad about the Sheikh and doesn't intend to drop the Sheikh, what do they say? Oh, you're speaking bad about the Sheikh. So we say to the same individuals, or same individuals, so what about when the individuals who are trying to gather together the mistakes of Sheikh from forth? Isn't this not attacking the Sheikh? How is it attacking Sheikh Rabia, but not attacking Sheikh Fokus? No, we have to respect all of the scholars. These individuals, their methodology is the methodology of the Haddadis, those who have extremism with them, and the Khawarij, those who have extremism with them. In this affair, and again, I don't say that they are Khawarij, I'm saying that they are, in this matter, they are following the way of the Khawarij. And that is in gathering together the mistakes of the scholar for the purpose of dropping the scholar in the eyes of the people. And from in, which, in the reality, the methodology of the scholar is to actually rebuke and criticize whoever is doing this. They're the ones who ought to be criticized. And they are the ones who are to be disparaged. <clears throat> so you find that the scholars of the past, 
along with the criticism that's already for specific individuals, when they would try to go about to drop scholars in the eyes of the people, they would add that to the affairs of criticism. And the share can mention that he, uh, he do not be deceived by these individuals who pretend to have knowledge. And he ended asking Allah to give us all the success to be upon the correct methodology, the methodology of the first Muslims, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and his Sahaba in America as well as in Europe and all of the lands and all the way in all places that he make us from amongst the people who implement the correct methodology of Islam in our lives and that he make us from amongst those who defend the honor of the scholars and truth and not with fanaticism and that we are people who truly call to the way of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and that we are examples for the people. This is what I was able to gather. Whatever is correct, the praise is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Whatever is incorrect is from myself. Subhanakallah, muhammadika, shadu wa la ilaha ila'at, astaghfiru wa tabi'ni.